A Focus Summary of Act Two of the Romantics Scene 1 As the curtain rises on Act Two, we see that the wall has disappeared, the parks are united, and the grounds have been altered as discussed. But when Pascano starts talking to the gardener, we discover that not everything has proceeded as planned. The honeymoon is already over for Bergamon and Pascano. Pascano says good gardeners water little. Bergamon says to give a flower the drenching that it wants. Pascano can't stand Bergamon's whistling. Bergamon is annoyed by Pascano's constant sneezing. When Bergamon paces back and forth, Pascano calls it scuttling about like a cockroach. When Bergamon notices Pascano's waistcoat lacks a button, he calls it a reproach to a man's raising. In an ironic twist, they reflect nostalgically on the time their friendship was forbidden. They long for the days when they had to tell lies and risk danger and brave adventures to be friends, and they wonder if the sense of loss they feel now is the revenge of their romantics. Pascano reminds Bergamon that what was done was not done for them, but for their children, and that they must therefore endure their loss in silence. Sylvette and Persinay appear, arms entwined, making lofty gestures, and the fathers mock them for their romantic affectations. They hide in the bushes to listen to the lovers' entertaining prattle, unseen. Scene 2 The lovers' posing is indeed comically over the top. They compare themselves to Perseus and Andromeda, marvel how Persinay had opposed at least thirty men, and recall how, with all his cuts, thrusts, and guards, he made them all tumble like a pack of cards. Sylvette says that all their love lacks is an epic poem, and he promises her it will be done. Sylvette remarks that she could never have consented to a commonplace marriage. She had vowed to wed a hero— and Persinay is nothing less. She then observes that their fathers have been in foul moods, and she attributes their grumpiness to jealousy. She believes they envy being overshadowed by Persinay and Sylvette's glory, and resent being nothing more than the fathers of the immortal lovers. As Bergamon and Pascano snicker in the shadows, Sylvette and Persinay boast of how they made sport of their parents, and how they had been brought together by destiny. Then they go out of the garden, arm in arm again, still reflecting on the glory that hovers around their epic romance. The fathers come out from their hiding place, and Pascano chides Bergamon for the plan he was so proud of, saying it has gone so far that now their children are completely crazy. They are sickened by Persinay and Sylvette's posing as hero and damsel, and they resent being portrayed as dupes blind to their secret rendezvous. Pascano is itching to tell them the truth, but Bergamon urges him to be silent until Sylvette and Persinay are officially married. Scene 4 Sylvette skips over to her father's, waving her flowers and giddy with pre-wedding bliss. When Bergamon answers her grumpily, she attributes his mood to his forced kinship with a formal rival. She starts reminiscing about how blind they both were to her secret love affair with Persinay, and she tells them how, in the storybooks, feuding parents are always forced to give in to a love that is fated to be. They can no longer take the condescension, and, in impulsive anger, they confess the whole plan. Whatever the storybooks say, 
This time, they tell her, it is the old men who have outwitted the youngsters. It was they, not fate, who brought the lovers together by making their love forbidden. Then they offer proof by producing the bill from Straffarel. Sylvette is at first horrified and disbelieving, but then, collecting herself, she tells them that they went to all that effort without purpose, because she would have fallen in love with Persnay without the web they wove. She laughs the whole thing off, but she begs them not to tell Persnay, because men are so silly. She assures them that she herself holds no grudge. But alone, after they leave, she says with icy fury that she detests them. Scene 5 Oblivious to what has just happened, Persnay strides onto the scene, boasting again of how he conquered thirty assassins. Sylvette, having none of it, tells him there were only ten. Persnay sees she is troubled, and assumes she is feeling wistful for the wall. As he waxes lyrical about reminiscences of it, and why, even in its absence, romance endures, she mutters expressions of annoyance about his affected language, and how he won't stop talking. His announcement, that in tribute to their love he has written an epic poem, elicits a reaction not of delight, but disgust. Persnay dismisses her mood as pre-wedding jitters, and sits down to write out his lines. As he does, he discovers, lying on the bench, the bill from Straffarel for the abduction. Now they have both been disillusioned about their destined love, but neither knows that the other has made this discovery. Each of them struggles to act natural until something in the conversation clues them both in at once, and they look at each other and say, You know. At first, they try their best to laugh off their father's antics and to act amused that their marriage is not royally romantic, but utterly conventional. Then, when Sylvette suggests Persnay now bears no resemblance to Romeo, he gets snippy with her, asking if she thinks she still plays Juliet's part. Finally, they express bitter disillusionment over the lost image of their love. They lament that theirs was not a true Shakespearean romance, but a parody. But they realize that to preserve their pride, they must continue to play the role of adoring lovers before their fathers. They vow to keep up their parts, and they begin addressing each other again in grandiose romantic language. They bid each other farewell, and on his way out, Persnay encounters an unfamiliar bearded fellow, not unfamiliar to us. Scene 6. It is Straffarel, and he has come to collect his fee for the abduction. Recognizing his name from the bill, and outraged he would show his face there, Persnay picks up his sword and rushes at him, while Straffarel parries his blows and mocks his ineptitude. When Straffarel makes Persnay's sword fly out of his hand and returns it to him, bowing superciliously, Persnay's pride is wounded. He takes up his sword and frantically avows that he will go off seeking such wild adventures that Don Juan himself will turn over in his tomb. Straffarel, meanwhile, only wants to know who will pay his bill. Scene 8 The characters then converge in a chaotic scene that was to have been a wedding. Sylvette is saying she will not marry, 
Bergaman is chasing away the notary and violins, and Straffarel is demanding payment of his bill. When Straffarel reminds them of their promise to pay for an abduction to secure betrothal, Bergaman realizes he has an out, because the lovers are unbetrothed. Neither he nor Pascano will agree to pay a penny. Blaze enters and whispers to Bergaman that his son is gone. Bergaman calls to the crowd to stop his son, and he goes off, followed by the wedding guests, leaving Sylvette alone and furious that her lover had the heart to leave her. Straffarel observes all this and schemes a way to earn the money owed him by straightening out this lover's quarrel.